Good morning, good morning, good morning, Lake House Church. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. Each morning we should wake up and that should be the first thought in our, our hearts and our minds, declaring that this is the day God has given me. And I'm going to live for Him, not live for self. Glad that you guys are out here today on this January rainy day. Good to see all of your faces. We're glad you're here today. And we're going to be continuing on in the series that we started last week with spiritual discipline, the diet and exercise plans. What a better time in January to be talking about spiritual discipline, huh? Yeah, as y'all are eating your donuts. I saw the donuts trundling in all through it. I'm back there trying to pray. It's like, wow, that looks... So, but you know, last week, for some of you who weren't here, we started the series and, and I really was talking about self-discipline. And self-discipline is, is very different as opposed to imposed discipline. And imposed discipline is the example that we gave as a, a dog on a leash. You see, when we take our six pounds of mighty dog for a walk, he wants to go everywhere. And so there is not a trust factor between me and the dog that if I take him for a walk, he won't go run after some, you know, 80-pound Doberman and, 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 or into the cars that are driving by. So I have to have this leash that controls his actions. Now, my dog thinks he's in control because he's trying to constantly go everywhere, but in reality, it's imposed discipline. And we talked about how we like to live our lives and we mostly enjoy imposed discipline because it keeps us from doing the wrong things. But as we mature, we need to have self-discipline. Self-discipline is where you trust yourself, where you don't have to lock your refrigerator and give the key to someone else. That you can go and stand in front of that refrigerator and say, that's a bad choice, that's a bad choice, that's... Okay, I'll eat some rice cakes. That's self-discipline. When there's a full refrigerator full of things that are totally bad for you and you're trying to make those right decisions... We also talked about self-discipline, that no one achieves anything of greatness without self-discipline. You talk to any major athlete, any great musician, anyone who has accomplished anything, and it's because they have disciplined themselves to prepare for that. They've taken a gift and a calling that God has given them, and they have fine-tuned that gift. But unfortunately, there are so many people in this world today that have a gift, but they don't want to practice. Like Brooke. Brooke has a gift of playing the piano. And she has to practice one hour every day. Not that Brooke. Don't worry. I'm not going to put you up on the screen. But the, the thing it is, is, even when she's over staying at our house, she's practicing that one hour. That's discipline. You see, now even in the body of Christ, there are so many people that want to be all that God wants them to be, but they don't have the self-discipline to get to that level. God has called them to do great and mighty things, and they know that God has called them. Inside each of us, God has given a gift and a talent and an ability. And yet they just say, you know, God, I know I could do that, but I just don't want to. I just don't know how. I, 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 I need somebody to coach me. And it's through self-discipline that we say, God, I surrender myself totally to you. And whatever I can do to fine-tune my skills in your service, then use me as a faithful servant. Because my whole goal in life is to one day hear my Savior say, well done, good and faithful service. 
you know, and that's not the way I want my steak. Well done is what he said. Mark, you did good. You did. And did I mess up? Yes. But you know what? You got back up every time you fell down and you kept walking. And even when the wind was blowing, you kept walking. And even when it started to rainy, you kept walking. And even though people were discouraging to you, you kept walking. And that is what our faith and our walk with Jesus Christ is going to be. There are going to be times that people are cheering you on and then there's going to be people standing in your way. But it's through the self-discipline that we create spiritually inside of us that we can move forward. That was a recap of last week, just so that you'll understand where I'm going with you this week. Now this week, I did a Google search, and if you Google search the word diet, it's an interesting thing. 215 million sites as of last Thursday, okay? So if you go and type Google and diet, 215 million sites. Did I read them all? No, okay? But I did start going through them, and man, there are so many diets out there. Did you know how many diets are out there? I mean, you pretty much can name your own thing. I mean, there's other than the Krispy Kreme donut, but there was the the high-protein diet, the low-carbohydrate diet, the Hollywood diet, the soup diet. I mean, everything's out there. Then I started reading, and at one point, eggs and bacon used to be really bad for you. Now they say it's good. There used to be one time where chocolate was bad for you. Now they say it's good. There was coffee. One time, man, if you were a coffee drinker, that was bad. Now they say, it's good. You know, and so I'm thinking, you know, just to eat whatever you want to eat, and at some point somebody's going to agree with you. Yeah. You know, that Krispy Kreme, that's good for you. Enjoy the whole. It's like, that's the only healthy thing of the whole donut. But I did find up six diet myths that are online right now I'd like to share with you. So if any of you are going through a physical diet, these are six diet myths. Okay? First, If no one sees you eat it, it has no calories. I want you to know that is not the truth. If you drink a diet soda with a candy bar, they cancel each other out. No. Have you seen that happen? Literally, I got to tell you, I was at the Strawberry Festival two years ago in Plant City, Florida, and my sister wanted me to try these fried Oreos. So the guy behind us, I think I told the story, he ordered the variety sample. This thing came with like six fried Oreos, six bananas, six Twinkies. Everything you can imagine fried was put into a bucket. And he orders this thing. This was a very big man. And he goes, I'll have a Diet Pepsi with that. I'm thinking, dude, you just went all the way over here. You might as well just enjoy the ride and have a full, you know, carbonated soda on this one. The thing of it is, is we try to counter set some of the things that we choices we make with diet sodas number three things that are licked off knives and spoons have no calories if you're processing and preparing something else number four food used for medical purposes never counts such as hot chocolate ginger snaps and sara lee cheesecake you cannot justify it makes me feel better number five if you fatten everyone else up around you you will look thinner Number six, movie-related foods don't count because they're simply a part of the entertainment experience and not a part of one's personal fuel, such as milk duds, popcorn with extra butter, and junior mints. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, people are very diligent, and then they go to the movies, and man, they're just consuming huge amounts of food. Like, what, you're sitting in the dark and nobody knows? I mean, 
those are myths that were that are actually out on the on the web today. So I wanted to make sure we were clarifying that. And today I do want to talk to you about our spiritual and exercise program. Now you may be thinking, Mark, you're going to tell me what I need to eat, not physically, but spiritually. Yes, you're going to tell me how to exercise. Not physically, spiritually, yes. And that's what today's message is all about. A pattern for us to look at our, our, our diet as, as it is in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at the word diet in the dictionary, uh, we usually normally associate it, the word diet with the thought of losing weight. Usually that's only about the time that we use that in conversation. But the actual definition as a noun says what a person or animal eats the food that a person or animal usually consumes. And the second definition is controlled intake of a food, a controlled intake of food or drink designed for weight loss, for health or religious reasons, or to control or improve a medical condition. So today I want to talk to you about your spiritual diet. What are you consuming that fills your spiritual gas tank in the morning to go through the day? Because they are saying, as, as you read, and if there's any nutritionist in the, in the house today, that the breakfast is one of the most important meals of the day because it fuels you for the entire day. And they're telling you that if you eat a good breakfast, you will accomplish more during the day. And I'm reading this thinking, that's the same way spiritually. Man, we should be giving God the first part of our day, saying, God, today you've given me as life. I'm giving you the first part of it. Instead of rolling out of bed, pouring down some coffee, getting dressed, getting to work as quickly as we can, we should be thinking about how are we giving Christ the first part of our day, almost as is a tithe. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to turn to John 4. We're going to be looking at verses 31 through 34. And this is where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan. And this is what the Word of God says. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, have something to eat. And Jesus told them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And the disciples asked each other, did someone bring him something to eat? Jesus told them, my food is to do what the one who sent me wants to do and to finish the work he has given me. Amen. And what he's basically saying is, when I am fulfilling the, the purpose that God sent, my Heavenly Father sent me to do, Food is not of importance to me. Do you understand? Have you ever gotten involved in such a project and, and you enjoy the project and, and all of a sudden you look up and it's 2 in the afternoon and you haven't had lunch but you haven't been thinking about it because you've been so consumed with that project. I'll tell you, one of the best ways to lose weight, you all ready for this? Fall in love. Okay? Because I'll tell you why. As a guy, when you fall in love, you think about her all the time. And food doesn't think it doesn't become the obsession that it normally is. You want to be with that person all the time. Man, I used to think about you all, uh, not used to, I think about you all the time. All the time. Now, you say, well, Mark, that works for the guy. How did it work for the girl? Well, I dated a few girls before Kristen, but Kristen did something that none of the others did. And that when we would go out to eat, she would only eat half of her meal, and then she'd say, would you like the rest? 
And then this is like my mom. I'm like, that's what my mom used to do. She'd be like, you know, I can't finish this. Would you eat this? I can't touch this dessert. Would you like it? And I thought, this woman is just like my mom. Will you marry me? You see, and she lost weight because she was giving me half of her food intake. I don't know if she was going home and eating the rest of consuming things, but while she was with me, it was half. I'm thinking, man, this woman's cheap to keep. You know what I mean? I'm thinking kids meal the rest of my life. She's, yeah, three kids meals. Two for the kids, one for my wife. But, you know, things changed, and, and uh, our, she still shares food with me. Not to the way we were when we were dating, but, you know, you, you want to fall in love? You can lose weight during that. So does the Bible have a diet plan for us? And I believe it does. And I'm going to be talking to you about it. First Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 tells us this. Desire God's pure word as a newborn baby desires milk. And then you will grow in your salvation. Now, I want to stop right there. Do you know every time when I do an altar call and I ask you, I said, this is the first step in your relationship with Jesus Christ. But you have to grow in it. Do you remember what I tell you? That you can't just stop right there. Right. It's like marrying somebody then saying, hey, thanks for marrying me. I'm going to go live over here. You live over there. And we'll just, you know, we'll see each other on the holidays. No. A relationship grows between you and Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And here's the scripture. It says, you know what? When it's first starting out, desire it so that you can grow in your salvation. Which means becoming more spiritually mature. Certainly you, you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know what I think? I think a lot of people have never really experienced God and they've never tasted that He is good. I'm talking, man, when God comes in and totally invades your life, and man just lays you down on the floor, and you realize you are nothing, and He is everything. When you realize how big God is and how little I am. We dabble with, and we, we sample, but we have never really tasted that God is good. And I want us this year to taste God in a way that we have never tasted. That's why I'm saying let's get ready, let's get into shape, let's prepare ourselves so that we can taste and that we can truly say, I have tasted of the Lord and He is good. And there's nothing on this earth that comes in comparison to that. Nothing comes into comparison to how good God tastes. Man, I want us to hunger and thirst after Him more than anything else in this world. And when we hunger and thirst after Him more than anything else, then all of a sudden we're going to see all the things that we had been wanting are coming into our lives. See, we were searching for fame. We were searching for popularity. We were working for money. And, oh yeah, I'll give God Sunday morning. That will be a great time. But when we switch our entire priorities, all of a sudden God says, put me first. And when you put me first, I'll take care of all the other details in your life. Man, when you're driving around just praying and interceding. Speaking of interceding, I want to put in a commercial right here. This week, I got to meet with several of the pastors and the, the police for Arlington has come in and said that the Super Bowl has already started here in Arlington. And they came to the pastors and said, we need your prayers because the prostitution has already increased, drug trafficking has already increased, uh, human trafficking has already increased. The terrorism threats are rolling in. And they realize that in their own self, they cannot handle this. So they are going to the pastor saying, would you pray for us? What an opportunity. Now, are we going to say, no, we're, we're too busy. This is a time we hit our knees. And we start interceding for this city. That no harm is going to come near it. So those that were in prayer this morning, we asked, you know, we prayed and we're going to be driving around interceding. 
Next Sunday at 1010, we're going to be meeting in here to pray again for 15, 20 minutes. Would you join us? Would you come be a part of it? We're going to probably pray the next two Sundays for the Super Bowl. I, I, told, I joked with him, I said, I don't think I ever prayed for the Super Bowl before other than let my team win, you know, or could I get tickets, God? But now I'm praying for this a whole different way, that lives will be changed, that those that have evil in their hearts, that it will be revealed, and that they will come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I'm not praying that they just got caught, get caught, I'm praying that they get re- changed and reformed through Jesus Christ. So we need to be interceding and praying for our city. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14 tells us this. We have a lot to explain about this, but since you have become too lazy to pay attention, explaining it to you is hard. Verse 12, by now you should be teachers. Instead, you still need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word. You need milk, not solid food. Verse 13, all those who live on milk lack the experience to talk about what is right. They are still babies. However, solid food is for the mature people whose minds, well, what's the definition here of mature people? Let's look at the scripture. Whose minds are trained by practice to know the difference between good and evil. That's describing today. There's people out there that don't know the difference between good and evil. Chapter 6 is going right on after verse 14, and it says this, With this in mind, we should stop going over elementary truths about Christ and move on to topics for more mature people. We shouldn't repeat the basics about turning away from the useless things we did and the basics about faith in God. Now, Corey's in the back. I love Corey. Corey and I are football buddies. Corey and I have eaten. Our families have eaten together. And I know for a fact that Corey is a carnivore. Okay? If you don't know what that is, ask him later. But he loves to eat meat. I like to eat meat. And when we go out, man, we enjoy good meat. So if I said to Corey today, here's an offer. You pick the steakhouse. I'll take you out to eat. I'm going to buy you all you want, buddy. It's on me. We can go to Texas Day Brazil. Have you been to that place? Man, where they come with those big sticks of different meat. And, they, and, and the thing it is, is, I didn't know you had that little green red dot. I left the green thing up and they kept coming. I'm thinking, man, nobody told me to turn the dot over and they, they leave you alone. So, man, I'm like, you know. But my mom always said, hey, if they offer it, be polite. So somebody finds to turn the thing. You know. But they'll bring all kinds of meat over. Now, if I took them there, okay, I said, hey, do you want to go to Texas Day Brazil or True Lux or Three Forks? You know, I'm picking some really nice places. He's thinking, man, this is my day. I'm going to get all that I want. Mark's going to pay. We're going to talk about football and family and everything. So we go to this place, okay? Families, I'll bring your family too. Bring my family, okay? And he, we're sitting at the menu, and we're looking at this incredible menu. And he's thinking, I'm starting here and ending over here. You know, it's just, just start, go down each column, okay? And then what I do is, I bring out my little bottle. I'm like, no, you guys go ahead. I, I got my lunch right here, okay? Because I love this stuff. I don't want that stuff. I want this stuff. And Corey's saying, you know, look, Mark, they got salmon. They got roasted duck. They've got pork. They've got everything. No, 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 no. I want my milk, okay? 
Now, what do you think Corey would be thinking about this time when the whole menu is available to us? Whatever we want to order, however we want it prepared, and I brought my own. What is happening in that situation? And that's exactly what happens when we go before our Heavenly Father and He's saying, I want to give you all of this. And we're saying, no, I really just like this one right here. My favorite prayer is, God is good, God is great. No, no, no. (laughs) Do you understand what's happening in the body of Christ today? We're walking around with our little bottles. Man, we got our little keychain tags or our little bracelets. You know, we're, God so loved the world. That's my scripture right there. And man, we, we have bumper stickers and that's about the depth of our knowledge of the Word of God. If we don't read it on a bumper sticker, it doesn't exist to us. Thank you, John. Because this is good teaching. And this is going to challenge you if you realize what I'm saying. So many times we settle for a little milk when God wanted to give us the entire menu at Texas Day Brazil and saying, taste of me and see that I am good. And just when you think you've truly experienced God, He brings another menu and says, okay, now you're ready for more of me because you weren't ready for the first part. The first part was like an appetizer. No, no, no. The first part is like that little bowl they bring to dip your fingers in, you know, to clean your fingers. Have you ever drank that? It doesn't taste good. And we're just like, it was just so good. I'm like, dude, that's the finger-washing bowl. That's not on the menu. We're like, oh, but this is so good. Can I get a straw? Can you refill this? And they look at you. And that's what's happening. Man, we're going around. We're just sipping little finger bowls. And God has so much more. And then when we finish the appetizer, you said, okay, now are you ready for more? Have you ever been to a really good restaurant and they bring you something in between each course to cleanse your palate? Man, this could be a whole sermon right there. I bet we'd have to have potluck right after them because all of you would be so hungry. But I could do the whole experience with God just between the palate cleansing between the the courses. And then you know what dessert's going to be like. It's when Jesus Christ comes back and we go to heaven. And man, I'll tell you, there's no calories, no fat grams, no cholesterol, no sodium, no nothing up there. Oh, I'm longing for a city. But so many people today are willing to settle for milk than the more spiritual things. And I believe that many Christians today are like what Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3. He says, Brothers and sisters, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual people, but as people still influenced by your corrupt nature. You were infants in your faith in Christ, and I gave you milk to drink, and I didn't give you solid food because you weren't ready for it. Even now, you aren't ready for it because you're still influenced by the corrupt nature. Do you see how this keeps coming back? What was the definition of being mature, knowing the difference between good and evil? What was keeping us from growing more? It was basically good and evil, quarreling amongst ourselves, our corrupt nature. When you are jealous and quarrel among yourselves, aren't you influenced by your corrupt nature and by living by human standards? Man, this is what the Word of God is telling us. That as long as we're letting ourselves guide and direct our lives, we are not growing spiritually. As long as you're giving everybody a piece of your mind, you're not allowing God to control your mind. I like these lights because I can't see all of you individually anymore. And that makes it better preaching. So you're not thinking I'm looking at you on a certain point. But today, many Christians are perfectly content to stay infants. You know, there's... 
Matthew 4.14 tells us this, that a person cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that is spoken by God. Every word. Job 23, verse 12 tells us this, I have not departed from the commandments of His lips. I have treasured the words of His mouth more than my portion of food. Man, when you get to a point where you are treasuring the Word of God more than the pleasures of this world, man, when you can't wait to wake up in the morning to spend time with God so that He can come in and invade your house and your life, that's where we're heading at this year. That's what God has been speaking to me about. We've been playing on the playground and now it's time to get training and condition so that we can grow spiritually in Him and experience God. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says, Your words were found and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I have actually met someone who when they were diagnosed with cancer started eating the words. And you say, oh Mark, that's just... I'll tell you what, you get a diagnosis that you only have so many months left to live and you decide whether you're going to start doing it. And if the Word of God says, man, I'm eating these words of God, I'm going to eat them. If it says stand on the Word of God, then I may physically stand on the Word of God. But we've never been given that diagnosis, so we can't judge that. But I'll tell you what, when you get a diagnosis like this and your life is radically changed around, you start reading the Word a lot differently. Okay? And that's what we're preparing ourselves for right now. There needs to be a desire in our heart for the Word of God. The milk of the Word. Secondly, in our diet and exercise program is we need to grow mature into the food. Hebrews 5, verses 13 14 says, All who live on milk lack the experience to talk about what is right. They are still babies. However, solid food is for mature people whose minds are trained by practice to know the difference between good and evil. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this out is because if you look right before that passage, there is a reference to Melchizedek. All right? Now, if you don't know that name, it's showing right now the depth of your study of the Word of God. Because why was he important? Because when Abraham met him coming back, he gave Melchizedek a tithe. Melchizedek was a foreshadowing of Christ, and Christ was in the lineage of him, not in the lineage of Levi. Now see, that comes through studying the Word of God. You're not going to read that on a bumper sticker. Okay? So when somebody mentions that name, you're like, wait a second, that's who Abraham met. That's what this happened. This is what this happened. Or when you start reading and all of a sudden you're saying, okay, this happened here. If I go over to this passage, yes, right about here, you'll see the rest of the story is continuing in another book. But that comes through knowledge and studying the Word of God. Let me give you a very, very simple point. If you are only reading the Word of God to get through it each day, and not to be changed by it, you have the wrong motive. So many of us are like, oh, I'm reading the whole Bible in one year. Great. But are you learning from it? If your whole thing is, I've got to finish this chapter before 8.30 so I can get ready and I've got to be here and I've got to do this, you have the wrong agenda. In fact, I think the whole thing is in vain. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a, I have, and Kristen knows this for many, many, many years, I've always had a problem with Valentine's Day. 
I do not like the card industry to tell me I have to love my wife. I don't want the chocolate industry to tell me you need to buy her chocolate. I'm getting sick and tired of Zales and Kay telling me that every kiss begins with K. I can spell. Oh, he went to Jared's. Girls, if God gives you diamond and it's real, don't care where it came from, okay? Like, no, not you, buddy. Go to Jared's, come back here, get on a knee, and then we'll talk. No, 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 no. The reason, and I love the concept behind it, it has become a multi-billion dollar industry, but it's telling me to do something that I as a husband should be doing every day. Thank you, come on. But because I am married, I do buy chocolate, I do buy cards, I do go to the jewelry store, because I want peace in the valley, you know what I mean? But deep down inside, I'm like, God... I should be doing this all the time. If the only time you are buying flowers for your wife is when you are in trouble, then guess what she starts associating that with? What did you do? I love to mix it up every once in a while. Right, honey? I bought you flowers for no apparent reason. And not because they were on sale. It was just no apparent reason. And that's the way we should be with each and every other one of us. If I call you and you see me on caller ID, your first thought shouldn't be, what did I do? Why is my pastor calling me in the middle of the day? What did he hear? What was on Facebook? These should not be thoughts in your head. Back to the message. In order to grow on mature food, we not only need to read the Word of God, we've got to study the Word of God. If you spend all day on one Scripture... I think God and I am okay with that. You know what I mean? If you came and said to me, this whole year I'm going to read five scriptures, and I'm going to say, at once, or what? But, but if you just find some scriptures and start going deep and studying on them and getting into commentaries, there's so much available for you on the internet now. Don't say, oh, I don't have a library. Do you have internet? If you don't have internet, go to the library. Our public libraries will provide you internet. I will have a solution for you. But there is so much that we can study in the Word of God. We have to stop being fed with spoons on Sunday morning. And we need to start getting into the Word of God and understanding who we are and the power and the authority that God has given us as believers. That when I walk into a situation and I say, at the name of Jesus, I'm using a name that's above every other name. And the moment that I do that, every demon within a 10-mile radius of that place just sent a shockwave in through it. They realize somebody used the name of Jesus. Now, do you know that you have that authority and that power? If you don't, it's because you haven't read the Word of God. The Word of God tells me that I'm the head and not the tail. Some of us are living tail living. Some of us have got acceptable at tail living. And some of us expect tail living. Don't come to me around your tail talk. I'm going to talk to you about head talk. Now, I love you guys, but it's time we roll up our sleeves and start getting in the Word, start understanding the authority that we have as believers. We are changing from being a victim mindset to a victor mindset. And that comes through knowledge. And that knowledge is going to come through spending time in the Word. Do you know that on the iPhone and the iPad, there are free downloadable where they, can, they read the Word of God to you? If you're like, I'm not a good reader. We'll read it to you for free. You do not have an excuse. 
currently, and David Carlson is going to enjoy this one, because we talked about it Tuesday night, there's a website that the rapture is going to take place on May 21st of this year. Now we had a little celebration on that. It's like, woo! Then, five months of tribulation are going to follow, and the whole world's going to end on October 21st, 2011. And so we were talking about this. So I checked out the website. And I'm reading, and they're saying, oh, based on math, and based on this, and based on dead birds that have fallen, and all this stuff, we're saying that May 21st, we're out of here. David and I were talking about, and Alan, and there were several of us around the table, and the scripture, Matthew twenty four thirty six says that no one knows the day or the hour. Okay? When you tell people that don't know that scripture, all of a sudden they're like, where's the website? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell my house. I'm going to run up my credit cards. Hey, if we're out of here on May, I can spend till March, and then all of a sudden I'm not here to pay for it. I wouldn't do that. The more you know the Word of God, the more you can discern when something is true and not truth. Man, I can say, well, I'm going to add this and add this and add this, and then if you add all the chapters totaled in the Bible and then divided by 12, because there's 12 months in a year, and then my child, we're going to divide by 9 because my youngest is 9, you're thinking, wait, where did all this math come from? What if his child was 10? Then the whole thing's... No. They come up with all of this. And, man, I pray that, that yes... May 21st, it would be great for Jesus Christ to come. But I pray that we complete all that He's asked us to do by then. Okay? So, if this is going to happen, then, man, the only thing that spurred me on is to start really thinking about Christ could come back any day. But I'm not living my life as if, man, I've only got 39 more days on this world. It's true. We have no guarantee for tomorrow. We need to study the Word for ourselves. We need to be stopped being spoon-fed on Sundays. Acts 17, verses 10 and 11 are a very good example. Immediately when they came, the believers sent Paul and Silas to the city of Berea. When Paul and Silas arrived in the city, they entered the synagogue. And the people of Berea were there were more open-minded than the people of Thessalonica. And they were willing to receive God's message. And every day they carefully examined the Scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. Did you see that passage? They were checking and verifying everything that Paul was saying was true. They studied the Scriptures. They were growing spiritually. You know why I give so many Scriptures in my passages so that it's not all my opinion. Everything that I'm telling you is here it is in the Word of God. And sometimes I give you more Scripture than you need so that you can see what happened before and after. So I'm not taking one little Scripture out. Because man, when you start taking those bits and pieces out and start adding them together, man, I'll tell you, I am. let me tell you what the Word of God says to all pastors. We are responsible for what we teach. I have a different responsibility. Now, we are all responsible for every word spoken. But teachers have more responsibility on themselves as spiritual leaders because we are accountable. So I am very careful about what I share and teach with you. We should study the word and it should be our diet. I want to talk to you because I went to one of my favorite places in the whole wide world, okay, is Costco. 
Right, John? I love Costco. Man, I could, in fact, Austin and I were having a uh, conversation the other night. I said, Dad, if you ever had to get locked in a store for a whole week, would it be Walmart or Costco? This is the depth of dad-son relationships that we have sometimes. And man, we're going back and forth. Well, you know, Costco's got mattresses, Walmart doesn't. But we went through the whole thing. You know, we were in survival mode at this point. But if you go to Costco, especially the one over in Arbrook, when you walk in, okay, and they greet you, you know what the whole wall is? I mean, a whole solid wall. No. Vitamins. Vitamins. There are more vitamins there for the entire world population. They're stacked that high, that deep, and every bottle has like, you know, a million of them. I'm thinking this is the whole world supply. They have a supplement for everything. I started reading all of these. And I'm going down the aisle like some old woman, you know, and I'm looking. I'm thinking, man, I'm getting old. But this one was for my joints. And this one was making me feel better. This one helps me get up in the morning. This one helps me lay down at night. You know, I'm thinking, am I not supposed to be doing that anyways? And you know what's happening is this. People are living on supplements and not the Word of God. You see? Man, there are so many supplements out there. We grab a little vitamin A here and a little vitamin B here. And man, we read that bumper sticker here. And we listen to one Christian music song during our lunch hour. Woo! I'm ready to go. And you know what happens if you just live on vitamins? Huh? Your body is not going to absorb that well. Just consuming Masses of vitamin C and D and E. It has to be all imbalanced. So if the only time that we're watching or getting any of the Word is when the TV's on and there's a pastor we like, your diet is not balanced. If the only time that you're able to spend time in the Word is on a radio commercial show that is on the way to work, your, balance, your diet is not balanced. We cannot keep living on supplements and expect to grow in maturity. It's going to have to come through studying the Word of God. We have to have a healthy diet. A healthy diet also involves an active workout program. Because it's not just what you eat, it's what you do. If you eat and eat and eat and eat and don't do and do and do and do, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get fat. You want to look at something else on Google while you're checking the word diet? Type in world's largest toddler. I did. Guess where that child lives? No, I thought that. China. 140 pounds, and he just got kicked out of daycare. And the photo they have is he's eating, his bowl is empty, and all the other kids' bowls are full, and they're looking at him like, don't eat me. Seriously, if you see the commercial, I mean, the, the thing, look at that picture. This kid is huge. And they're saying that one of the reasons is because China only allows them to have one child, so they overindulge that child. You see? That's why having three kids is good. You just you throw it out there, and there, you know, it's what you get is what you eat, okay? It's fit of the fitness, okay? You should see a pizza disappear at our house, okay? You know? The point being, though, is if we're just eating and we're not exercising our faith. Now, here's where we go beyond knowing what to do and actually doing it. I'm going to say that again because I only got one come on. This is the difference between knowing what to do and actually doing it. 
We got to apply the word of God. Faith without works is dead. And man, we're we're fat babies when it comes to the word of God. I can guarantee you in America we can start most scriptures and somebody can complete some or portions of it. But then are we doing it? Because if we were doing it, then this would not be a post-Christian society. If we were doing what the Word of God said, if we believed what the Word of God was telling us, we would not be what's called now a post-Christian society. Amen. James 1, 25 tells us this. Do what God says. Wow, there's a good scripture right there for you. You want a good scripture to put on your mirror? Yeah. Do what God says. Oh, I don't understand that, Pastor. I'll explain it to you after service, okay? Do what God says. Not merely listen to it or you will fool yourselves. If someone listens to God's God's Word but doesn't do what it says, he is like a person who looks at his face in a mirror. Now I want to stop right here because you know what happens when you're looking at yourself in a mirror? You see the imperfections and blemishes of yourself. Right? I mean now, every once in a while you can look past the mirror and go, you're looking good. Okay? But the majority of us Go to a mirror to correct something, right? Donnie, it's our hair, you know, because he looks at my hair and says, man, Mark, you need to come in. See, I take that as a, come in and get your hair done. But, you know, he, he's watching that. Do you, do you look in a mirror to just admire yourself or do you look in a mirror to correct something? Have you ever thought about this? No, nobody's even making a nod on this. But, yeah, most people will look in a mirror and say, oh, man, I've got to do something about this, you know what I mean? And, you know, they're, they're trying to improve what they're seeing. This is what the Word of God says, though. He is like a person who looks at his face in the mirror, studies his features, goes away, and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, when I go away from the mirror, yeah, I start tending to not dwell on what I just look like, right? Do you all do that? Thinking, man, was that a good-looking guy or what? You know, We don't do that. So verse 25, However, the person who continues to study God's perfect teachings that make people free and who remains committed to them will be blessed. People like that don't merely listen and forget. They actually do what God's teaching is telling them. Exercise. Doing what God's asking you to do. Getting out of your comfort zone. I did not put on this weight in one day. I'm going to tell you. Seriously. Really, I didn't. Okay, I know you may be shocked at that. But it was a series of situations that happened to bring it here. Okay? Sometimes we want God to change the situation. Like, God, help me to lose 45 pounds today in Jesus' name. Would you pass the gravy? No. You see? God's been convicting me. Man, we're praying blessings over food that should not be blessed. When it's double fried and you're asking God to bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. There's not any nutritional value in that at all. I can fry up a truck tire for you and you can pray all the nutritional value you want over it. But it is not going to make it nutritional. But it's breaded. It's chicken fried tire, pastor. Let us pray. We need to exercise our faith. There's a story that I found. It says a man fell into a pit and couldn't get himself out. Okay? 
So a Christian scientist comes along and says, you only think that you're in that pit. A Pharisee comes along and said to him, only bad people fall into a pit. A fundamentalist came to him and says, you deserve the pit. A charismatic came and says, just confess that you are not in that pit. A Methodist came by and said, we brought you some good food and clothing while you're in the pit. A Presbyterian says, this was no accident, you know. An optimist came by and said, well, things could be worse. And a pessimist came along and says, oh, I mean, an optimist says, well, things could be worse. And a pessimist says, things are going to get worse. And Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. And do you see all of the denominations and all the ways and factions that we have, the problem was that man just needed out of the pit. It didn't need all the justification. We needed to exercise our faith and get men and women and children out of the pit of sin and quit justifying it. Well, they deserve it. No. Man, thank God we didn't get what we deserved. God's grace is free and mercy. Who are we to say they deserved it? Even in the prayer today, when we were praying that the terrorism that could be brought on our city, we even prayed for the terrorists. Because they are still sons and daughters of the Most High God, and God loves them. It's just they have filled themselves with so much hatred and deceit and deception that they only feel that this is the only way to accomplish. So unless we exercise our faith, we're going to become pathetic and pointless. And if all we do is eat, even if it's only supplements, and we never go into action, we're useless. A healthy diet and a regular exercise program are things we need to practice. As David starts playing, before I lead you in the prayer though, I want to ask you to just spend a moment, and I'm going to ask for all heads to be bowed and all eyes to be closed, and I'm going to ask you a question. Are you spiritually feeding yourself that will maintain your day? I don't know your day. You know your day. You may be able to lay in bed all day and eat bonbons, and that's your day. But there's some people out there that are in real work situations, very difficult classroom situations, making very difficult decisions. Did they fill themselves spiritually for that day? And I'd ask that even while we are praying, for you to say, God, would you please bring to my attention the distractions that have kept me from eating the Word of God the way I should, from exercising the way it's telling me to exercise, to become active the way that you want me to be active. As we close the service, and as you know, I close every service with giving everyone an opportunity to make the very most important decision they've ever made in their life. Not whether you want eternal life, because you were born with eternal life. It's where you're going to spend your eternal life. Because you have a choice, and that choice is coming at you right now. To make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Because, see, Jesus Christ came to this world and died on a cross for you and for me and took all of the sin, shame, guilt, sickness, disease, anxiety, everything that we've had to deal with, and He nailed it to a cross. And He became the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And you say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm a good person. 
I do this, I do this, I buy Girl Scout cookies every year, I support the poor, I do everything. No, 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 no. It's not through your works that you are saved. It is through grace. And that grace came through Jesus Christ on the cross. But as I also tell you each week, it is the beginning of a beautiful relationship. When Christ comes into you, then you are making Him not only your Lord and your Savior. And each day you should be growing in that relationship. If you are where you are spiritually as you were last year, you are not growing in your spiritual relationship. And this year is going to be a year of growth, but it's going to come through our diet and our exercise and doing the right things consistently. So I'd like to lead everybody in a prayer that will radically change your life. You may say, well, I, Pastor Mark, I gave my heart to Christ when I was a kid, but I've made some decisions past then that I really don't know. That if I were to breathe my last breath today, is if I were pulling out of this parking lot and something were to happen to me, I do not know where I'd spend eternity. Then I'd love for you to prayerfully consider not only repeating this prayer, but saying this prayer. Because I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this prayer, but it's only when you say it to God that it is going to matter. So would everybody join me in this, please? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. Amen. Now, if you said that, you are radically changed. And as I've told you, I've just ruined you for sin. Because I'm going to pray that things that used to bring you enjoyment are not going to bring you enjoyment anymore. The things of this world that used to make you high are going to bring you down. But when you start experiencing God, you talk about a high that cannot be duplicated by the things of this world. And it's only through spending time in the presence of God. Getting down, even in your living room, on your face and just playing worship music and going into the presence of God. Making a decision in your priorities. And once you start growing, start inviting your neighbors to church. You bring them. I'll save them up, okay? Please. But we can't depend on one person to fill the church, right? Have we ever thought about that? Well, that's, that's your job, Pastor Mark. You bring them in. You preach them. You teach them. You disciple them. You pray with them. You love on them. No, 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 no. We're all one. There's no platform here. I'm on the same floor that you all are on. Have you ever thought about that? So it's important that we start getting challenged in what God's telling us to be. The light. The salt. I'd love to say a blessing over you as we dismiss. So if you all will stand... I hope you learned something today. I hope you enjoyed it. Know that I love you. Sometimes you need a cheerleader. Sometimes you need a coach. I'm being a coach right now. I'll always be your cheerleader. But a coach will direct you a little bit more than a cheerleader. According to God's Word, may the Lord bless you and may He protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. So go in His peace. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming today. We love you. See you uh, sometime this week.